0: All right, folks, here's the last report for the weekend. These are incredible stories. Let me get right into it. But let's start off with a little bit of levity, but truth at the same time. Now, there's lots of things that they can do to push their plan of making us into a cashless society. But I hadn't actually considered this one. Let's have a little fun with this first story it comes from one of the nuttiest and craziest political leaders in the United States today. And I'm talking about Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Breitbart reports Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot suggests street vendors go cashless to stop theft. Now, we know that the plot, plan, scheme, of those that are trying to destroy America and make her a vassal state to the globalist bankers and the CCP, one of the ways that they they are working, currently right now, we're seeing it, to destabilize America as part of their plan to make us just serfs, is to increase crime in our cities and also to flood us with illegal aliens so that they could just be two classes, the elitists and then the working and the working poor, with a small middle class like they used to be back in the olden times when they had the basic economy of elitist landowners, serfs and and poverty-stricken families, and a small merchant class as the go-between. But I never thought that one of the side effects or other advantages of there being lots of crime is that they could also push their other plan of taking off off of a cash-based society, which it's a fiat currency anyway, and get us into their central banking digital currency. At least that's what we're seeing from Lori Lightfoot. Democrat Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot suggested that street vendors start going cashless in order to stop and prevent robberies. No, let's not make Chicago safe so people can carry cash if they want to, wear a nice little gold chain, and not be victims of street crimes and murder. No, let's uh, let's tell women that they can't wear shorts on a nice day. They can't wear uh, short sleeves on a nice day because they might be violated. Let's tell them to cover up to prevent crimes against them. That's the same mentality here, folks. Lightfoot made her stunning comment during a mayoral uh, race debate. She said she had been working with street vendors to potentially make them go cashless due to the uptick in theft. She's realizing as mayor, and of course she knows this, but she's actually admitting to an uptick in theft. I heard a lot of rhetoric here, a lot of sound bites, but not a lot of concrete solutions on how we get the job done and make our residents and our workers safe. We're doing it every single day, Lightfoot said, and probably with a straight face. Absolutely uh, moronic, if you ask me. Now, folks, I want to share this with you. I think the timing of this was very, very interesting. Yesterday, Saturday the 21st, at about 2.18 p.m., MSNBC posted a segment they have in which they suggested that the next logical step for Biden would be consenting to the FBI searching his property. Now, I reported this morning, and it's probably the big news of the day, that Biden's Wilmington home was uh, had a consensual FBI raid for 13 hours. That happened on Friday, but the story didn't break until Saturday evening after this report by MSNBC, where they suggested and they put out there that maybe Biden should just consent to an FBI search. And then that's exactly what happened. He wrote for MSNBC.com that if... President Biden wants to make an even stronger contrast between himself and Trump, meaning talking about the handling of classified documents. There's yet another step to take, consent to a search of his properties. You also write that special counsel Robert Hur could ask for this, but for- Well, precisely, and so we don't have what it takes for a search warrant in this case, which is why I wrote this column saying, you know, we've got something else available to us here, and that's called the consent search. All right, folks, this is a very interesting article by the New York Post. And perhaps, I didn't see this previously, maybe you did, but there's already a spin on why Joe Biden as a senator and as a vice president had these documents. But there's a little bit more interesting things also going on, according to this New York uh, Post article from a few days ago. What's in here, Joe? Beat-up box of important docs was out and open at Joe Biden's house, laptop reveals. Once again, the laptop of one Hunter Biden, giving us a lot of insight. This can't really be where Joe Biden kept classified documents he took from the White House, or can it? A box labeled important docs and photos was left unsealed on a table ahead of a child's birthday party in the Delaware home where 80-year-old president has been discovered to have stashed sensitive document records, a photo from his son's laptop discovered by the post Friday reveals. okay? So let me just cut down to here. There's some interesting things going on here, but here it is. But here's what caught my attention. This event took place a little more than a week after the New York Post exclusive revealed that the troubled first son was having an affair with his widowed sister-in-law Hallie Biden, following the death of his older brother Bo Biden. A screenshot of text messages shows Hunter Biden invited three daughters he shared with his wife to the party at Nana Pops. He was rebuffed, however, by the youngest, who wrote, We are not ready to see adults yet. That was weird. Images from Hunter's laptop show an array of family photos spread out on, on a table surrounded by chairs and a white cardboard box box. But here's what it is. The lid, which was covered with the words important docs written in black, had been open and was ajar in the shot Hunter Biden snapped. While it is unknown what was actually in the box, reports have suggested Joe Biden may have taken the White House documents for use in writing his memoir, Promise Me Dad, which was published in November 2017. Okay, folks, So is that going to be the spin or part of the spin? Oh, he had the Senate and these vice presidential documents because he needed to write his memoir. Oh, so that's the reason why Joe Biden broke the law to publish this book, which was published in 2017. So why now, five years later, why does he still have it? Just want to give you a heads up folks. So you can resist the spin and tell your friends, family, and neighbors what's really going on. Now, BCP Juniorette did a extensive piece on this, which if you watch our other channel, BCP Report, you would have already seen. But before the raid on Friday, the consensual raid on Friday by the FBI of Biden's Wilmington home, on Saturday, it was reported that White House Chief of Staff Rob, Rob Klein is expected to step down in the weeks after the State of the Union, already working on the transition. Isn't that interesting? Is he stepping down to transition Kamala Harris's people? A lot of things happened yesterday. Isn't that a dink? Now, folks, I found this to be interesting, which is why I wanted to do this uh, episode here. We have some interesting things going on. Gateway Pundit had an exclusive yesterday. Bombshell in late Friday FBI data dump. Mother claims Seth Rich not involved in Russia collusion email scandal without ever examining examining Seth Rich's work laptop. Well, what is this about? Well, this is about Ty Clevinger, the attorney who's been working on getting stuff from the FBI and letting us know what's really going on with the Seth Rich laptop. And this is a Twitter thread. New Seth Rich documents, fresh off the grill. FBI filed a new motion about CrowdStrike records. I've only given it a cursory review, but we have at least one bombshell. Remember, CrowdStrike is the one who looked at the servers, not the FBI, and said, oh, there's nothing to see here, nor there, there. Everything is above board. And the FBI took their word for it. They were part of the James Comey cover-up. So let's get down to five of seven that Ty Clevenger is talking about. Oh, wow. This one is huge. The forensic report on Seth's laptop. It was indeed produced by CrowdStrike. Major ramification. The FBI took possession of Seth's work laptop, but never examined the contents by necessary Inference That means the feds and Robert Mueller relied solely on CrowdStrike's three-page report. So Mueller claims Seth played no role without ever investigating the laptop. The same cover-up we saw for the Clinton server. A cover-up via CrowdStrike. Isn't that interesting? Now I put this... Episode together. It's going to be probably the shortest episode I've done in a long time because that is the story I really wanted to highlight. That after all this time, we can infer what we already knew that the Seth Rich is a cover up. They never investigated, they never looked into it. He is the leaker of the DNC emails, the Podesta emails, and he paid the ultimate price with his life for bringing us the truth. And the FBI is not interested in finding out what really happened because they, like we're seeing with Joe Biden and everyone else in the deep state, are part of the cover up. But I do want to end with one last story, which brings us full circle and also is a bit of good news, positive news. And I want to end here. An Illinois judge has blocked the gun control law Protecting Illinois Communities Act that was enacted about 11 days ago, saying that the state is violating a clear and discernible constitutional right and ignoring the public's right to know. Breaking now, gun advocates are celebrating a big ruling just handed down in Illinois. Judges putting the state's new assault weapons ban on pause. So, last Wednesday, Governor J.B. Pritzker signed that assault weapons ban into law and it is already moot. Now, before we celebrate this win, and this will continue in the courts and what have you, and it is a, it is a positive development, especially in a place like Illinois, there are some limits and this is not universal. For all gun owners in Illinois, it's actually limited to certain individuals. Judge put a pause on the new law Friday, which stops the state from enforcing the ban, but only for the parties named in this lawsuit. That's 866 plaintiffs. Four of them are licensed firearms dealers. The rest are Illinois state residents from 87 counties, including Cook County, all of them represented by former Republican Attorney General candidate Thomas DeVore. And this is the important soundbite before I sign off. To allow our legislature to chronically engage in this type of lawmaking has to come to an end. He says the new assault weapons ban is unconstitutional. That's right. These unconstitutional laws must end. And it's always positive when we can have our wins in court. And there you have it, folks. Some stories I wanted to sneak in before the end of the weekend. I never officially uh, on this episode, introduce myself, but you know I'm James, the black sort of patriot. And once again, I want to remind you that we have our second sister YouTube channel, The BCP Report. Please make sure you check that out, as well as my off-platform show, which you can catch either at therealbcp.com or over at bcpextras.com or go to bcppodcast.com or search for me on Spotify. The channel is called, the same as this one, Black Conservative Patriot, where you can catch both this show, that's right, Open Source News, is on Spotify and our Black Conservative Patriot channel, as is our other program that I cannot put on this platform called BCP Unfiltered. Make sure you go over there and check it out. And the biggest thing you could do to help me out and help our BCP Media family out, we are a family business, by the way is to like, share, and subscribe to this episode or any of our previous ones. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I'll be back tomorrow. Ciao, goodbye. God bless.